Hello and welcome to this Nutmeg podcast, a version of the Scottish football magazine for your ears. I'm Daniel Gray and this time my guest is Cathy Jameson, director at Kilmarnock Football Club. Lifelong Killy fan Cathy was for many years an MP, an MSP and a government minister. Our conversation took place before a recent home match among the simmering tea urns and cling film sandwich platters of the Rugby Park boardroom. The Nutmeg Podcast is sponsored by Orium, Scotland's Sports Performance Centre. Welcome on board to them. It lands every fortnight. Please subscribe and give us some stars. To us, they're like finding a tenner in an old trouser pocket. We stand, too, on the stout shoulders of our print offering. Please see nutmegmagazine.co.uk for details. Enough of that. Here's the podcast. Cue tape. Welcome to Killy and welcome here to Rugby Park in our newly refurbished boardroom, which is very much in club colours now. It's very beautiful. It's very different to a traditional boardroom, I have to say, with, with blue carpets. And you've achieved something no one's ever achieved before, which is making me wear a suit to a football match. What have you done to me? Oh, well, there you are. That's what it is to come and sit in the director's box. <laughs> I've sold out. That's what I've done. <laughs> What are your first memories of this football club? Well, my uncle was a great Kelly fan. He had a season ticket and was always talking about the football. And of course, 1964-65, when Kelly won the league, there was a real buzz around. I was at primary school at that time and everybody was talking about football. And uh, so, so I kind of remember all the excitement of that. And I remember the excitement of being allowed to stay up late on the day that Kelly actually won the league uh, because obviously the whole town was celebrating. So we were all allowed to stay out of her beds. So those early glory days, you were a girl of what, eight or nine, and Kilmarnock champions, what a thing. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant, uh, just that kind of real sense of excitement and Kelly being one of the top teams. But of course, even then, when I was beginning to get interested in football, there were a lot of my friends who supported either side of the old firm. And I can remember talking to my uncle and basically saying, how do you decide which team to support? And he's like, you support your home team, your local team. And you can't be a football supporter. You can't call yourself a football supporter unless you actually go to games. So that's really how I started off because the next thing I knew on the following Saturday, I was kind of bundled into the car and brought here to Rugby Park. And I think he thought that... Oh, well, it'll be a fad or a phase uh, and I would maybe grow out of it. But here I am, all those years later. And what do you remember of this ground when you first arrived? People often remember floodlit matches more than anything. Well, I, I don't uh, so much remember, um, ironically, perhaps, what, what went on in the pitch that day. But I do remember coming in here and so because my uncle had a season ticket in the stand, which is now the main stand, the Frank Beatty stand, I remember coming up the stairs and just walking out, a bit like I'm going to do later on today when I walk out of here to, to see from the boardroom to see the pitch, and just walking up there and thinking that the stadium was massive <laughs> and there were all these people, because I'd only ever really seen football on television or people kicking about in the local park. So there was just that sense of awe and wonderment as I came up those stairs and realised that this was actually the kind of pitch and I was going to be there watching this and then going up and sitting in the stand. It was amazing. What a time to start going. And of course, forgotten now and lost a bit behind some of the other Scottish clubs' exploits in Europe. But European runs, Real Madrid, 
Leeds well, United. Yeah, I, I think I remember um, mostly the excitement, obviously, around, I mean, Real Madrid, e- even as a kid, that had a kind of magical quality, you know, that Kilmarnock was going to be played in Real Madrid. And then, of course, the famous Eintracht Frankfurt games, and uh, also, you know, Leeds United, that, that kind of whole sense of Kelly were up there and were seen as one of the, the big teams at that time and again I think that was just that kind of buzz for all of the supporters and you know it's great now for us to be thinking about well actually we could have that sense of excitement again if we get into Europe next season. Yes certainly that renaissance will will ring many a happy bell with Kilmarnock fans who remember other times in Europe. Who are the players that stand out for you of those early memories? I must say in front of us you've brought this magnificent scrapbook (laughs) Tell us a bit about that. I know it's a podcast, but if you could describe what what a beautiful thing it is you've kept all these years. Yeah, well, it's really amazing because um, we found this scrapbook, which I made when I was at primary school, in my mother's home. Sadly, my mum passed away last year, but she'd kept a whole load um, of memorabilia, uh, including loads of Kilmarnock standards with football reports in them and and various things, which must have been mine at some stage. But we came across this um, scrapbook and the kind of real... I suppose heroes who are on the front of the pages that I've got here are people like uh, Ross Mathy, who of course still has close links with the club, Tommy McLean. Uh, I've got a photograph here of Tommy McLean and his brother Jim, Alan McDonald and Jackie McGrory and Willie Waddle, who was never going to make it as a sports uh, writer, I don't think, because what I've written here is um, Willie Waddle, inside forward. Willie joined Kelly last season from... Leeds United, 1969, uh, can play equally well on the wing or as an inside forward. It's lovely. <laughs> Everything is, you've all these handwritten notes on pink and yellow paper and then in biro, a border around everything, very, very lovingly and neatly done. Yeah, it was, I think it was. It probably took me hours and hours because if anybody looked at this now, it's beautifully written out in my best handwriting and I'm guessing because there's nothing scored out that some of them I might have had to do several times. Uh, and of course, um, even then I, I was quite interested in art of course I went on to study art um, so everything has got nice wee borders and um, very very carefully laid out so uh, going through you know other uh, heroes um, Frank Beatty of course Jim Cook Eddie Morrison Sandy McLaughlin the goalkeeper Andy King Ronnie Sheed um, and uh, loads and loads um, of photographs that have just been cut out of probably the Sunday newspapers and the Comarnock Standard pasted in so you were just about a teenager when you made I, this? I would have or? been just about, yeah, yeah. I, would have, I would have been just about finishing up at primary school. Did you stand apart in your interest while other people were getting into bands and things? Were you, or was it was it a big killy school? It was the great team after all. I, I think um, at that time there weren't that many uh, girls mm. involved in being interested in football, and I think I was probably um, unusual in that. So a lot of the the folks I kind of ended up uh, going to football with uh, were some more of the kind of male uh, friends uh, that I had at the time. But I do remember uh, my mother shaking her head, you know, as every inch of wall space in my bedroom was covered with pictures of football players from all over. Um, You know, I just had this, you know, you would buy all the kind of magazines and cut the pictures out and stick them on the wall. So that would be like a larger version of the the scrapbook. What do you think gripped you about Kilmarnock and about the game in general? I think there was just that sense of excitement, really. Um, I I loved watching it. Um, You know, I I was of an era that we didn't really get 
to play football at school, although I did kick the ball about um, with uh, you know some of the other the other kids. But there was no sense in which girls were encouraged to play football. You played netball, and that that was it. That was the divide. Um, but there was that kind of sense for me of being involved with the team. Um, I then began to start going to away matches and going in the bus with um, some other supporters, or going with my uncle and and his friends. And there was always just that sense of belonging and sense of being part of something bigger and the crowds. That's real, just the only word I can really use to describe it is that just excitement, you know, it just got to you Mm. you know, whatever ground you were going into and you knew that you were going to see, you know, the team playing. It's a huge part of your identity really early on and and then for the rest of your life I I think it probably was Um, and you know, some of the the folks who would have known me from school and we could have reconnected on Facebook and whatever over the years will remind me (laughs) about how absolutely fanatical Mm. I was at that time um, about, about football and we have a bit of a laugh about Escapism and obsession and all of the rest in there. I can't let us move on through the years without asking you to tell me a story you've told me before, which is about requesting a certain thing for Christmas one year. Um, oh yes, uh, that, that, that's that's not really a football story so much, but it's um, yeah. I uh, I'm getting in to know the, the young Cathy James. Absolutely, and and maybe it does kind of um, sit with my you know growing to be interested in football. But I was desperate as a child to have a, a toy wheelbarrow, um, and I asked for a wheelbarrow for Christmas. Um, unfortunately, when Christmas arrived, I received a beautiful uh, doll's pram, which. I don't think it had been new, it wouldn't, because it was one of these coach-built doll's prams, and my mum and dad had patiently restored it, painted it, my mother had made beautiful covers and a doll was in it. I was not at all impressed by this, took everything out um, and started loading junk and rubbish and bricks into the back of it, and it became my wheelbarrow. <laughs> it would have been described as a tomboy in those days. Yeah, yes. yeah. You went to Glasgow Art School. What did you do there? And were you coming back for games and things still following yeah. the team? I, I mean, I, I studied uh, at Glasgow Art School for four years. I studied sculpture there. And um, I was still living at home, really, for the first year. Then went up and, and lived in Glasgow, but still coming back for as many uh, games as possible. And that was really... That was really the pattern over the next years when I was studying because after I was in Glasgow, I went down to London for a year and that made it a bit more uh, difficult to, to get up and down and then obviously came back to, to work up here. So you went to London spreading the good word of Kilmarnock. Yeah, f- flat shared with someone who was an Arsenal supporter at that time. Um, so that was interesting. Take me on into the 1980s and in the context of the difficulties in this area economically with the closure of mines and things like that and the club not in its best phase either. I think there was a, there was a sense, you know, more broadly in the area where a lot of the big employers, uh, big, you know, the engineering firms, uh, textiles, carpet manufacturing, all of those things, where there was that kind of sense of the real difficulties in the economy, people being laid off, people being unable to find uh, similar work and that that had a real impact on the area particularly as there was that kind of sense at that time of what was kind of real work particularly for the kind of male uh, employees who had been used to either manual labour or working in the factories and that just wasn't there um, any longer so there was a kind of sense of almost like a kind of cloud over the town and, and the area at that point 
if you we look as well at the, the kind of surrounding area where it was all the mining communities, you had the miners' strike, you had the kind of history of, of, of the mine closures. Um, but throughout all that, I think there was, notwithstanding that the club wasn't in its best shape at that time, I think there, there was still a kind of real hardcore mm. um, of support. And, you know, I always describe it as I've been to some interesting places following Kilmarnock during those not-so-good years, Arbroath and Brecon and uh, so which was actually great as a day out mm. to go to all these places. Um, but it wasn't the best time for the club or for the town. Mm. And a difficult time in watching football, generally late 70s, 80s. I read one story of why Paper Roses was adopted as the Kilmarnock anthem as being it was a reaction against hooliganism and racism and things and people would begin to sing this romantic song. Did you ever hear that explanation? I've heard a number of explanations, none of which I'm sure are the right reason. (laughs) I I genuinely don't know why Um, it is the case that uh, the fans started singing that. But of course it's become the anthem and remains that all the way through. Although perhaps not sung as much uh, now, but I'm sure it will be at the end of the season because this is going to be our best season in many, many years. So by now you were working in social work back here in Ayrshire in Kilmarnock. Yeah, I worked in in one of the um, local area, social work area teams uh, just outside um, Kilmarnock and covered a sort of rural area. And then I went up to work in Renfrewshire and then came back. Um, to Ayrshire um, to work, mostly working at that time doing childcare and also working with young people who were either offending or being on the edge of getting into the care system. And that would have been the job you were doing in the glorious year of 1997, the Scottish Cup. What do you remember of that day? Well, well, well I, actually, I had moved a wee bit from social work at that particular time because I went to work for an organisation called Who Cares Scotland, which was an advocacy organisation um, for kids um, in care. But 1997, um, the, the Cup uh, final was just the most incredible day. Uh, it, it seemed like the whole of Kilmarnock and the surrounding area were heading up to uh, Ibrox as uh, at that time where the, the cup final was held um, even my mother came along to that you know it was that kind of sense of it was a real it was described as the family final because of course Kilmarnock playing Falkirk wasn't an old firm uh, involvement so there was a different kind of sense around it and you got people who maybe weren't your traditional football fans who thought, do you know what, this is a day out, it's good for the town, it's a bit of excitement, let's go along. So we had a a fantastic uh, day up to Glasgow, watched the game. I remember having to explain the offside rule to my mum on numerous occasions um, and uh, then had some partying at, at, at night. Magical. So one of those occasions where the bakers were making blue and white cakes, the butchers were doing special pies and all of this. Yeah, there were special pies, special cakes. I think I recall blue and white empire biscuits. There was all of that kind of stuff. And everybody was uh, was really involved. And around this time you turned vegan. The, uh, yes. In, in the place uh, of the, the killy pie. I know. It always causes a bit of um, amusement that, you know, for the home of the... The famous Kelly pie, um, I don't actually know that I've ever eaten one because I was vegetarian for many years and then became um, vegan. 
Although for the 2012 League Cup final, a local baker, uh, John Gall, who had uh, created the Kelly Pie, made me a tray of vegan pies, especially for the occasion. Magical again. That's the, that's the true magic of the cup. A- absolutely. You get people to do all sorts of things <laughs> when they're on that roll. <laughs> As a vegetarian football supporter myself, I'm sure people will be getting their tiny violins out for us, but it is quite hard to eat at football, isn't it? Uh, it is. There's not that many places do um, vegan food. I must say that I, it's on my uh, list of things to do to try and get down and watch Forest Green Rovers, the vegan football club, who I follow on Twitter with great interest and look forward to have a visit there at some point and getting some nice vegan food. It's not always an easy cause to bring up with certain football uh, supporters, I don't think. I, I put something on Twitter once asking if there were any more uh, vegan Kelly fans out there, and I think I did get two replies. Substitution for Kilmarnock, clearly in the field. And second top goal scorer for Kilmarnock with 136 goals. Number nine, Chris Boyd. So, 1999, opening of the Scottish Parliament, and you're an elected MSP. Yeah. What did that feel like? The excitement of the the new Parliament? The paint not yet dry? I think there really was excitement at that time. I think there was a sense of, look, this could be a real change for Scotland. Um, Obviously, people had campaigned for the Scottish Parliament for um, so many uh, years. We had, at that time, the the Labour government also uh, in Westminster. So I think there was a real sense of hope um, and optimism. And especially on the opening day of the Scottish Parliament, going through to Edinburgh... Um, seeing people lying in the streets, being really excited about this and wanting um, change to happen. Um, Difficult then, of course, was that very quickly became embroiled in things like the controversy around the building and and so on. And I think that made it, it took the shine off a bit very quickly. And you had several positions high up both in the Labour Party and in government and in the the Commons as well. Was football a way of escaping from it all? I always said that football um, was my 90 minutes of sanity (laughs) during the week. I would organise my constituency surgeries around about depending on where Kilmarnock were playing uh, that day. I didn't always, wasn't always possible to get to the away games, which is uh, was um, when I would go and see Auchinleck Talbot if, if Kelly were away and I couldn't manage it. But coming to the football, just being a normal individual football supporter, still sitting in the same places I've always sat, chatting to the folk around about that. And, you know, nobody ever would come up to me during the matches and talk about politics or ask me to do things for them. It was almost as if people recognised that this was my, you know, escape Mm, from the busy world yeah absolutely and even now um, I did say to people coming onto the board I'm going to be sitting in my own seat sometimes sometimes I'll be in the director's box come up and chat to me at half time or end of the match or whatever people by and large don't do it they'll send me messages or they'll tweet or whatever but they never ever really come up and invade that space which is Amazing, really, when you think about it. Were you able to extol the virtues of Kilmarnock when you went down to become an MP rather than MSP? Did you make Ed Miliband become a bit of a Killy supporter? I'm not sure that it would be fair to say that Ed Miliband (laughs) uh, became a bit of a Killy supporter, but um, Ed Balls, who, of course, I worked with in the uh, Shadow Treasury team, being a big Norwich fan and obviously went on to become uh, the chair. So Ed absolutely knew everything because I would just go in and bore him with it every week. So uh, whether he became a fan or not, he certainly knew all about Kilmarnock. We've mentioned a couple of times your your other team, which is the great 
Ochenlech Talbot. Give us a story about the time your role as Justice Minister and supporting them combined. Yeah, uh, we've had some interesting um, chants uh, go on um, through the years. I can remember on one occasion, I was actually doing something um, political in Cumnock, and it was the day of the Auchinleck um, Cum- Cumnock um, Derby uh, game, and I was, I think we were doing something for the Keir Hardy Society. So it was quite a kind of, you know, one of these events where lots of the great and the good and the Labour Party were coming down, and uh, the Auchinleck Talbot fans walk from Auchinleck um, into to Cumnock, um, and so I got some. Quite nice chance from them, uh, but some qu- not so good chance from the Cumnock supporters who weren't particularly happy about my stance on a particular beverage, which I think would be uh, one of the choices. A, a tonic drink. A tonic drink, Supposedly. yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> a strange kind of tonic, I've always thought. Uh, well, yes, <laughs> never having tried it, I can't comment. <laughs> what do you love about junior football? Because it's a whole new world to me that I've only really discovered in the last couple of years, yeah. and I'm in love with it. Yeah, well, I... I Got, I was always kind of interested in, in, in junior um, football and I, I lived in another part of Asia for a number of years, uh, almost next door to the Irvin Meadow football ground and occasionally if there was nothing else to do on a Saturday I would I would drop in uh, there. Um, but for me the excitement, I mean Auchinleck was where my family originally came from, my grandfather was from Auchinleck and always saw it as the centre of the universe and although he'd moved to Kilmarnock when he was a teenager to work any time we went out in the car, he would always say, oh, do we go through Auchinleck? Because he always wanted to point things out to us. So I, I kind of, that's really why I began to sort of um, follow them. But again, for me, it's just that kind of raw excitement. You know, you're right down there next to the pitch. You hear everything that's going on. You see everything. And you've got guys who are just 110% given everything mm-hmm. on the pitch and a great sense of banter and chat. Amongst amongst the fans as well, it hasn't lost one bit of authenticity, has it? No, it's it's still. I suppose it it people sometimes I think look back on the football they think they remember with a bit of the rose tinted hmm. glasses, but actually I think junior football displays some of those characteristics. Uh, and one of the funny things that happened uh, around that as well when I became an MSP, and of course I represented Cumnock as well as um, Auchinleck, and Cumnock Juniors gave me a Cumnock Juniors football top with MSP1 on the back of it, which was quite funny. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> yeah, so I've still got that hidden away somewhere. <laughs> Talk to me about the the man, the marvel, Kenny Shields. Oh, Kenny was just something else. Um, He was always good value to talk to. He had a great kind of footballing brain. He was really interested in all the kind of psychology, how you worked with players. And the other thing was, uh, you know, the the, the Kelly fans always, you know, they kind of chant about Kenny. He says what he wants. Uh, But he did. And he was no stranger to controversy because of that. Because if something happened, he would just give his view and his his opinion on it. And he was back uh, at the club uh, at the beginning of this year, for the uh, beginning of our 150th um, celebrations, and had a wee chat with him uh, then, and he was on good form as ever. And then another trophy, 2012. Tw- 2012, I think, must be, for me, uh, I'm not saying it completely surpasses 1997, but I think for 2012, no one really expected Kilmarnock to mm-hmm. win. Whereas in 1997, we had a pretty good chance, and we all knew that. 
2012 going up to the final um, at Hamden and at that time I was still um, an elected representative and I was invited by the club obviously to go um, as one of the kind of local dignitaries as a guest but I opted to go with my family and with the fans and just sitting amongst everyone and get that whole um, atmosphere mm. and before the match uh, Manuel Pascali wasn't playing. He was injured at that time and he was down at the front and he'd done a few f- photo ops um, with me to kind of try and get kids involved and things and spotted me and gave me a wave. So I went down and got my picture taken with him, which was really exciting and then back up there. But when we actually got that goal, I mean, the place just erupted. I've never, really never felt anything quite like that before. It was amazing. And Dieter Van Turn out. Turn out. Yep. We'll never DVT have to, as we DVT call them. DVT will yep. never have to buy a pint in Fanny by Gaslight again. He, <laughs> he would be very welcome. We had hoped that he might be able to come over for the 150th do at the beginning of the year. He wasn't able to make that. But hopefully uh, we're going to see him uh, at, at some point. And I think he would um, find that no matter where he went in Kilmarnock, he would still be celebrated. And presumably the town needed a lift then because... Johnny Walker closed in the same year. Yeah, and of course that, that was a difficult um, time and there was a big campaign to try and save the jobs at Johnny Walker. I don't think there were many people in Kilmarnock who didn't have somebody in their family who worked there or who had worked there. And it, it was a sad day to see that actually closing. And I know certainly you know, some of my extended family uh, had to move away um, to other places to, to get um, work as a result um, of that. But for the town, again, the football club coming into its own and just giving that real sense of yeah. excitement. Sometimes in all of these post-industrial areas, the football club just becomes everything, doesn't it? I, I think it gives people that sense of identity, sense of purpose, a place to come together. And, you know, it's a great level of football. You know, you can stand on the terrace, you know, at the junior grounds um, with people who have from all sorts of backgrounds. You can come in here to Kilmarnock, sit with people from all sorts of backgrounds and talk about football. And, you know, it's everybody's there for the same purpose, which is great. I arrived this morning and the first thing I heard was the noise of happy children playing football. They're actually playing behind the stand. Then I come into reception and the two mascots are arriving with the biggest smiles I've seen in months. (laughs) And I just remembered what this game means. It feels yeah. like a real community club. What we are really trying to do is to get that community feel about it. Um, we've got a great community programme. We've got the Kelly Community Support Support Trust. I can never get those words out. KCST, um, who do pre-match opportunities for kids to get in there and play, but also run an amazing number of different initiatives uh, during uh, the week for, for kids to get involved in. And Paul De Giacomo, who used to play for Coman, of course, Manny is our community manager, and he's a real whirlwind. He just gets everything like that organised and gets out there absolutely brilliantly. But what we've seen this year is more and more and more kids wanting to be mascots, wanting to get involved, wanting to come in and do tours of the, the stadium, meet the players. And we really want to build on that and also get that engagement back with the fans that, Sadly, I think we did lose a bit over a few years. And, and the hope is, I suppose, as well as them being happy now and enjoying it now, is they'll start to watch their football here. They won't go into Glasgow, they won't go down to England, they'll come and see the well, local We, we focus a lot of work uh, with local schools, getting out there, getting players out into schools, getting the kids to come in here. We've been able to 
throughout this season, as we've done previously, give a lot of local sports clubs, school groups, different organisations free tickets to come in to watch the games, to hopefully encourage kids to come and watch their local team and be part of what's going on here at Kilmarnock Football Club. So that's been very deliberate to do that, to try and make that connection with the community. And you joined the board last year, uh, towards the end of the season, to be a representative of the Supporters' Trust. Uh, Well, I've always been a big fan of the Supporters' Trusts, and and way back when I was in my political life, even before I was an elected member, I can remember talking to people uh, like Andy Burnham um, around how we would get Supporters' Direct set up, um, and that was through Labour Party conferences. Alex Ferguson was along at that time, and we had various meetings um, and discussions then, of course, when I went into the Scottish Executive um, at that time, um, we took the decision that we would ensure that there was funding for um, Supporters Direct in Scotland to get set up. And I was a founder member of the Kelly Trust. I never really got involved um, during the time I was in elected politics because I felt that you know that was for other um, supporters to do. But when I left politics, the Kelly Trust came to me and asked if I would consider going onto the trust board, and uh, it, it kind of went from from there. So I think it's been for us, it's been a hard, long slog, if we're honest, to get to the point where we've raised the money from the trust, got that invested in the club, and got a, a seat. Uh, on the board um, as a result. What, as a board collectively and a a club collectively, are you hoping the next few years Mm. bring? Because it has been a fantastic renaissance under Steve Clark, but also for the club in general. The the ground feels good, the atmosphere feels good. So what are the next few years, do you hope? I think, you know, on on the the pitch and on the playing side... Steve Clark has just been amazing. He's, he's been one of the best things that's ever happened to come on at Football Club. Absolutely no doubt um, about that. So we've got that kind of real feel-good factor on the pitch. What I want and what we want to see, and I think all the directors share this, is that we get the same feel-good factor between the club and the fans, get fans engaged, we're taking their views more, we're thinking about you know, how do we make a good experience to be a Kelly supporter off you know, match days um, as well, so that people have got that sense of belonging um, to the club. So, obviously, I want to see success on the pitch. Absolutely great if we could get in a European spot. It would just be a, a highlight. If we don't, we will have had one of our best seasons ever this year. Um, and I think that builds for the future, whatever happens. So, to wrap up, is the young girl that made these scrapbooks hell of a football is it still there with you today? Well, I hope it, it's kind of come across that this is uh, one of the passions in, in my life. Uh, you know, the, there's a couple of things that I'm sorry about. One is that my uncle, who was the, the person who really got me involved and interested in football in the first place, sadly died when he was quite young and never got to see um, either the kind of next round of successes for um, Kelly on the pitch. Uh, I think he would be quite proud to know that I had kept my interest and my commitment to come out of football club all those years. And I think he would just be um, really proud to know that I'd become a director of the club.